Joe stumbles over some chips, adolescent climate change night terrors, and Disney is once again sucking the fun out of the happiest place on earth, all named My Losers of the Week. Then he was a New York Times writer but became a deep-platform social pariah in the journalism world after sounding the alarm on the COVID sham. Alex Berenson is on deck. Plus, our proud Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn fought to end the U.S. military vaccine mandate, and she joins me with what's next. Last, you know I've got some final thoughts on that Brittany Griner prisoner swap. The show begins right now. The 2022 election season is officially over, thank God. And speaking of losers, I'll name my top three outside of Herschel Walker, the RNC, and the GOP as a whole. Too soon. But let's look outside of our own party and dive back into the dark and scary place that is the liberal mind. Meet the incoming House Democratic whip, Catherine Clark, who will fit in nicely within the ranks of Democratic leadership, given her hysteria, her melodrama, her derangement surrounding, what else? Climate change. Now, the fear of weather is an irrational phobia that is apparently transferred not only through worthless cloth masks, but also through the bloodline. But they've also given us a model to become our own leaders. And let me tell you what it means to, to me coming in as a different generation. I remember my middle child waking up with nightmares over concern around climate change. I'm going to go ahead and pull from the old Democrat playbook here when I say, if your daughter is having nightmares about climate change, you might have, what is it again, white privilege, or at the very least, y'all are suffering from some very first world problems. You know, meanwhile, kids in inner cities across America have nightmares about bullets being sprayed into their bedroom windows, courtesy of the Democrat-led crime surge. But yeah, weather is terrifying. Good luck with that. But speaking of being awake or woke, rather, my loser number two is Disney, who is at it again, this time canceling the very popular Splash Mountain ride at its parks. Now, the ride is based on the 1964 film Songs of the South and has been around since the late 80s. But apparently it has just now become too racist to bear due to its racist undertones. And if you're not quite sure what's racist about a water log ride, well, you're not alone because most of us don't get it either. But that's because we're normal and don't look for things to be offended by, including theme park rides. Now, the ride will now be converted to Tiana's Bayou Adventure based on the 2009 film Princess and the Frog, whatever the hell that is. Leave it to Disney to suck the absolute fun out of absolutely everything. But worry not, folks. There is still some fun to be had on this edition of Losers of the Week because Joe Biden spoke out loud again and gave us another entry into ye old dementia diaries. Take a look. Investment. We'll construct a second fab here in Phoenix to build chips, the three nano chips, the three nano chip, chips that are three nano. And you know what I'm saying? <laughs> nano, no, no. I don't know. One nano chip, two nano chips, three nano chips, and the 46th president of the United States in all of his glory. Soak it in, soak it up. Up next. He was a writer for the New York Times, but his liberal street cred and platform went out the window when he decided to report the truth about COVID. Alex Berenson joins me next.
He worked for the New York Times, but once the pandemic hit, he, like many of us on the right, was skeptical of the very communist-feeling COVID response, so much so he wrote a book about it, Pandemia, how coronavirus hysteria took over our government rights and lives. It's the reporting the media should have been doing the whole time. My next guest is so committed to exposing the truth, he was even banned on old Twitter for it. But he's back on Twitter, and he's with me now, best-selling author Alex Berenson. Alex, I'm so happy to have you. I'm a Twitter follower of yours and a big fan of everything that you've been doing. Well, Tommy, thank you. I, I just have to say, I'm not, people always want to put me on the right. I'm a registered independent. I get in trouble with a lot of my readers because I tell them I did not vote for Donald Trump in 2020. And so I, you know, I'm truly, I truly try to, you know, pursue my own path, which I think sometimes means annoying everybody. No, and I appreciate that. And, you know, when I said, like, those of us on the right, I meant, you know, normally those in the independent or on the left, they were not skeptical of COVID. So you join the ranks of the right in your skepticism of COVID. So I think that's fair to say, because you've done a, a whole lot on COVID, really exposing it, really digging in. And I'm actually glad that you brought that up, Alex. I think that's something that's important to note. From the get-go of this pandemic, as I call it, I was very confused as to why this was so partisan. I didn't understand why card-carrying liberals were okay with the government telling them what to do, to mask, to vax, to stay home, not to go to the bar, not to travel. That, to me, should have been a bipartisan hell no, but it wasn't. Very weird how that all went down. Um, you're, you're absolutely correct about that. Um, and, you know, I write in Pandemia early, very early on, there was actually a pretty strong consensus on the left and the right that we should lock down. I think people were sort of stampeded into fear. And what happened was the left very quickly saw, hey, we can take advantage of this and beat up Donald Trump with it. He's not going to get reelected if the country stays shut. And then I think on the right, there was this realization, especially after the BLM protests, that the left was not being honest. That, you know, you couldn't protest lockdowns and you couldn't open schools, but you could put a million people in the streets if the cause was something that the left agreed with. And that's when the divide really began. It began in May 2021 and it never closed and it still hasn't. And, you and you know, and then vaccines sort of added another layer to this because I think, again, initially people on the right wanted to believe, hey, the vaccines really do work as promised. They're going to get us out of this. Um, ironically, before Trump was defeated in 2020, um, it was people like Andrew Cuomo who were saying, you can't trust these vaccines. You can't trust Donald Trump. They rushed. And then as soon as Biden took over or, you know, or was elected, it was it, 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 they were all in on the vaccines. And so it's been really ugly. Uh, Trump and the right get blamed. I don't actually think that's true. I think if you look at the history of this uh, it, it's the left that aggressively and very effectively uh, used it in 2020. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, they used it to their advantage. And now they continue to use it, not just through the policies that are still lingering around. I mean, L.A. County might bring back their indoor face mask mandate any day now. But beyond that, it's the rules that they were able to change, especially as it comes to elections. So this really worked out nicely for them. Now they have mass mail-in voting in states that didn't have it previously. They have extended early voting. They have a remote access vote by mail in California, which they've had, but they've expanded. So, uh, you know, the left... I think it was uh, Jane Fonda who said that COVID was the gift to the left, and she was absolutely right. Obviously, it killed so many people, so it's obviously a very real thing, but the, the consequences of it are, are even greater than just the virus itself. But tell me about the Twitter ban. I know that you're back on Twitter now, but what was it that you said or a series of things that you said that really pissed off the old guard of Twitter? <laughs> 
Well, so, I mean, I was banned in July and August 2021. I mean, it was ultimately banned in August 2021. And I could walk you through the whole thing. It would take more time than we have. But I will say the 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 two final or the two tweets that were my fourth and fifth strikes and ultimately led to my ban one was simply my reporting on the results of Pfizer's own clinical trial accurately saying what was in those results and then the fifth strike the final strike in August 2021 was for saying that the, a tweet that began it doesn't stop infection or transmission and I mean, I think I think there's no one on earth who would disagree with that at this point. So I sued Twitter in December 2021. And in April of this year, April 2022, a federal judge said my suit had merit and could proceed. And that immediately began, uh, Twitter immediately wanted to, um, to settle with me. So we began, I shouldn't say immediately, but we quickly began settlement discussions. And in July, this was before Elon took over, I was allowed back on the platform. And even more importantly, from my point of view, I, I got documents as a result of that lawsuit showing that the federal government, that the Biden White House had asked Twitter in April of 2021 why I was not banned. And when I say asked, I mean, you know, it's like when the cop says, can you get out of your car, sir? There's a there's a real element of coercion in there. And even beyond that, I have evidence that a guy named Scott Gottlieb, a Dr. Scott Gottlieb, who is on the board of Pfizer, uh, also pushed for Twitter to ban me. And I think one thing people forget about the vaccines is however you stand on them, however well you think they work, they're a giant product. Pfizer and Moderna, the two vaccine mRNA vaccine companies, have sold more than $100 billion of vaccines in the last two years. And so, you know, the, we, we early on, there was this idea, oh, the vaccines are just going to be a gift to humanity. No one's going to make any money off them. You know, that lasted about three seconds. And so so I have a, I am planning to, and I still have not yet filed it, I'm going to file a lawsuit against the Biden White House, against a guy named Andy Slavitt, who worked there, against Dr. Scott Gottlieb, and against Pfizer, because I believe, and I believe I can show, they engaged in a conspiracy to deprive me of my First Amendment rights. And people say, oh, well, Twitter is a private company. They don't have to let you on. There's an argument about that. Put that aside. Even assuming that that's true, if they're coming under pressure from a federal, uh, you know, a, a federal uh, a person in the federal government combined with this giant private company um, to deprive me of my right to speak, that's a big deal, I think. And I and I and I am going to try to hold them accountable. I remember the days when Twitter used to flag every single thing about COVID. I mean, you even string those letters together anywhere in a tweet and you would have a box under there with a disclaimer. But, you know, interestingly enough, Facebook and Instagram, they still do that. I have been kicked off Facebook numerous times for saying very much the same thing you did. The vaccines do not prevent infection or spread. Hello, that's not controversial. That's a fact. Face masks are nothing more than decoration unless you're wearing the medical grade one, which most people are not. They're wearing decorative ones with cats on it or Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. OK, they're worthless. They're face diapers. They're trash. But I wonder, will there ever be a day when Facebook and Instagram are finally honest about COVID in its entirety? Or will we ever see that day? I, I, I don't. I don't know. It's a really good question you ask, and I don't know the answer to it. I, I mean, we've come a little bit closer to the truth with the lab leak, um, you know, where, where you know, two years ago and into last year, you couldn't be honest about the potential that this was, you know, leaked from a lab and that, uh, you know, Facebook actually would, you know, would pull posts that said anything other than, oh, this definitely occurred naturally. So they've become a bit more honest about that. 
Whether they will be more honest about other issues, I don't know. I mean, I think the fact that the Republicans weren't able to take the Senate, um, you know, is not good for those of us who would like to see more investigative work done on how the companies behaved. And that's one reason, by the way, that I think I, you know, my lawsuit is going to be important because I do think hopefully we'll get some discovery. We'll 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 see a little bit more about the relationships here. But but that's a really good question. I don't know when or how these companies ever, uh, you know, get forced to be honest. Yeah, I don't know either. And I kind of worry about the American people because I thought, and I am a conservative, I'm a Republican, I thought in the midterms, the American people as a whole would still be really pissed off about everything that happened with COVID and the pandemic. The fact that it essentially caused the inflation that we're dealing with now, it caused a worker shortage, a supply chain crisis, it caused generational learning loss, it caused a mental health crisis in this country. I thought people would be pissed, but then they voted and they asked for COVID amnesty, the left asked for COVID amnesty, and they got it, Alex. Do people just not care? Do they have amnesia? They forget the two and a half years that we were completely controlled by tyranny and they just don't care anymore? Well, you know, I think, look, I live in the Hudson Valley of New York, which is one of the few places in the New York City suburbs where Democrats actually were punished. So so I have a, you know, it's a little, I, I'm in an outlier. I thought Democrats would be punished more broadly too, but clearly two things happen, right? One is abortion, you know, be careful what you wish for if you're the Republicans. They they wanted a, you know, a, a, not a national ban because that's not what we have, but they wanted restrictions on abortion rights. Supreme Court gave them, you know, the chance for that. Clearly there's a lot of women of all ages, but especially young women who don't like that. Um, and then second, uh, you know, I, I, I think, that that Donald Trump is somebody who a lot of Democrats and independents just can't stand at this point. And he's associated with the Republican Party and the Republicans are going to have to decide what to do about that. But I, I, I'm like you. I was surprised. I thought and I frankly, I hoped that the people who supported lockdowns, people like, you know, Gretchen Whitmer, uh, you know, would be would be punished at the you know, at the ballot. And and they were not. Let's be honest. They were not. I want to go back to something that you said about the abortion issue, because I agree with you on that. But it's very weird to me, uh, the liberal mentality on this. Now, I'm a conservative. I'm a Republican. I am also happen to be pro-choice because I'm anti-big government regulation. But I'll tell you this. What's so odd to me is the same women that were screeching in the streets about my body, my rights, also said, if you don't get the vaccine and the booster, which doesn't prevent infection or spread, you are selfish and you want to kill old people. So explain, uh, yeah, I, yeah, what's the logic there? You know, you're absolutely right. People are uh, people are hypocrites. Is, I mean, is what it comes down to, right? It's very hard to be um, uh, ideologically consistent. And I feel exactly like you. And I wrote something actually, uh, you know, just a few hours, I think, after uh, Roe was overturned saying, look, uh, frankly, look, I have three kids. Abortion is murder, but that but that does not mean you can ban it in any reasonable way. And I think that's a really hard concept for people to grasp on either side that this can be a horrible thing, yet we just sort of have to live with it. And and so the you know the left wants it and seems to want it almost at any you know any point in a pregnancy. The right can't accept that you know it's it's something women are going to do, and we have to. We have to allow, you know, at least in some reasonable way, or because we can't criminalize it. And so, and then, and then, you know, on COVID, it's like exactly the opposite, as you say. The left just <laughs> thinks they should be able to shove vaccines into everybody. And to me, the right really has the, you know, far better of that argument. It's my choice, and I should be allowed to take the risk if I want. I'm really not putting you at risk, but you know, I, hypocrisy runs deep.
Yeah, no kidding. I think that that is the theme for 2020 through 2022. Let's hope that we leave it in the dust in 2023. Last thing I want to ask you about something that I am very passionate about that I also hope we leave in the dust moving into 2023 is face masks. I call them face diapers. Again, I mentioned earlier, L.A. County wants to bring back the indoor face mask mandate. Um, I have to ask you, I'm somebody who during the masking period, I wore a mask in an airplane because I needed to travel. Beyond that, I did not wear a mask. I refused to wear a mask and people looked at me like I had a third eyeball because I wasn't wearing a mask. Will you mask again if the powers that be, especially where you are, say it's time to mask up? I mean, you know, it's interesting. I was in a hospital a few days ago in New York City, and there was a big sign saying you had to mask. And I walked in, and all of a sudden, I was like, I'm not putting this on. You know, if somebody forces me to put it on, I, I will. But I didn't put it on, and nobody said anything to me. Um, and I think that's going to be my position going forward. Um, uh, you know, look, uh, if 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 it's if it's you can't fly, you know, it's it's the same problem you had. I mean, at some point, you have to just accept this sort of ridiculous authority because you got to do what oh, you Alex, have to do. Oh, Alex, I will not. I will gonna, not. I will not do it again. Not. I, You know what? Well, you, Fool, are, you, are young, one you are young and beautiful, so you can get away with it. Fool but, is, you know, those of us one time, Alex, but if we as a collective nation are ever dumb enough to be like L.A. County and institute a mask mandate again or any COVID restriction again, we deserve as a nation to fail, and I stand in that, steadfast in that. We should never be sheeple again. Last thing I want to ask you, because I'm taking a lot of your time, but I know you tweeted about it. I also posted about it. We're talking about this young girl who was denied a kidney transplant because she was unvaccinated. Now, listen, this same crap is happening here in Tennessee, or at least it was at Vanderbilt, where they were trying to deny a little baby a transplant because he was unvaccinated as a baby, mind you. But this is still going on. What do you think we do moving forward with this kind of garbage? Well, you know, it, it's a bit like the mask thing. Um, you know, this is a, it's a lot of, as they, as they used to say in South Park, respect my authority, right? These, these physicians, they must know this is marginally beneficial at best, but they want to be listened to. They want to prove that they're the ones in charge. They want you to wear a mask. They want this girl to be vaccinated. It has very, very little, if anything, to do with any medical benefits. Um, you know, how we get out of this, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, there's something bad that's happened in medicine, which I want to write more about, where where medicine has become increasingly woke and you know it seems to be a, a top-down thing but until doctors are willing to stand up and say you know what i i'm gonna i i don't i don't accept what's happening you know at the american medical association and i think i think we need to stand up for our patients instead of instead of instead of fighting with them i don't know how it changes I don't know either, but another thing, in addition to the force masking, I will tell you this, they would have to strap me down to a table, especially at this point, to get vaccine one through six. I won't do it. I will never do it. I will stand by that, especially now. I mean, some of these people are about to glow in the dark by Christmas, and uh, that's we not We are a good on the thing. same page on that. We are <laughs> on the same page on that. Well, hey, listen, thank you for always fighting that good fight. Uh, I look forward to more content from you on Twitter. And please come back anytime and we can talk about more of that hypocrisy that runs oh so deep. Tommy, it was a great pleasure. Thanks and have a great have a great holiday. Thank you. You as well. All right. Still ahead, Senator Marsha Blackburn fought to get the unconstitutional vaccine mandate stripped out of the upcoming National Defense Authorization Act. And she joins me next with more on the battle and what I hope will be plans to compensate those who suffered under it. That's next.
Republicans in Congress have decided that they rather uh, rather fight against the health and well-being of our troops than protecting them. And we believe that it is a mistake what we saw, uh, what we saw happen on the NDAA as it relates to the vaccine mandate. Making sure our troops are prepared and ready for service is a priority uh, for uh, President Biden. The vaccination requirement for COVID does just that. Because nothing says military preparedness quite like myocarditis. Joining me now is the woman, the senator, the Tennessean, who led the charge to get that COVID vaccine mandate for our military service members stripped out of the National Defense Authorization Act. Like the tumor that it is, we welcome Senator Marsha Blackburn, a friend of the show, a friend of mine, and the great, great senator from Tennessee. All right, Senator. I know that you have fought so hard to get this vaccine mandate stripped away. I know it's been a tough fight, but what do you think made the difference? The thing that made the difference is the fact that after six months of working on this, I had Democrats and Republicans in both the Senate and the House agree with me that we needed to set this aside. Here are the facts that your viewers need to know, Tommy. The military has dismissed 3,300 Marines, 1,800 soldiers. Um, you've got 1,800 sailors, 900 airmen that have already been terminated, fired, let go because of this mandate. And our recruiting numbers are down. Our retention numbers are down because of individuals who, instead of signing up or re-upping, they said, hey, we're just not gonna go there. So we are 15,000 soldiers short for the Army alone this year. Next year, we will be an additional 21,000 troops short for the Army alone for that year. So this was an imperative to move this away. And look, the president has said, the pandemic is over. We know that you can be double vaxxed, double, triple boosted, and you still might get COVID. And we know that there are a lot of people who have had COVID, um, either the initial strain or one of the subsequent strands and what have they found out? They get antibodies. So they've said, we don't want to take the vaccine. There are others, especially young men who, as you said, maybe they have a family member who has uh, gotten myocarditis because of the vaccine. And the doctor has said, you all might want to wait on this. This is a vaccine that doesn't have any long-term trials or tests, and there is hesitancy. But I gotta tell you, this, is, this has been six months of hard work. We finally made it happen, and common sense is coming back to the vaccine policy at DOD. They will be terminating this policy within 30 days of the NDAA being signed into law. 
What I wonder is why some of the top military brass does not have the backs of those who serve in our United States military still saying that they should have a vaccine mandate, even given all those things that you just stated about retention, recruitment, about the side effects, about people that have lost their pensions, lost everything, lost their military career because they didn't want to get a vaccine that they didn't want or that they didn't need. So it's very odd to me that you have, you know, the Biden administration, which is a given, but also top military leaders saying that something like this should remain in place. Help me understand why you think that is. Well, it was void of a common sense approach to this. Uh, as I said, the vaccine has been shown, or the shot, if you will, has been shown to not keep you from getting COVID. And that is something that we've all seen. You know, you had the president himself double vaxxed, double or triple boosted, whatever it was, and still got a case of COVID. So we know that, that there is that element. And what we have said is, look, the recruiting numbers are so far down. And I have to tell you, Tommy, since we've started working on this, we've heard from some people who were let go, but then, and they were highly skilled. So maybe you had a unit or a squadron that was really quite specialized and they couldn't fill out that squadron or that unit without that individual or two, and they have been brought back. So common sense is a very good thing. Now, the Pentagon does have a vaccination policy as well they should. And there are many proven vaccines whether it is going to be something for polio or smallpox or measles, mumps, rubella. There's a long list of vaccines that you get. These are longstanding vaccines. They are vaccines that have a proven history and uh, minimal side effects, things of that nature. So we're not saying to the to the Pentagon, you can't have a vaccination policy or you can't have a vax policy on COVID. What we're saying is you can't implement this until you meet your recruitment and retention goals. Well, I think that you're right about bringing common sense back. It'd be one thing if this vaccine was ironclad, but as we know, it's not. I wonder, though, because I know a lot of folks in the military and some even that decided to end their military career because of this vaccine mandate. And now they're wondering, with all the hard work that you've done these last six months and now you've got victory, they're wondering what the compensation is going to be for them. For Will there be back yes. pay? Will they be brought back? What is the compensation for those that well, left the military? And then, Senator, another thing, what about those who got the vaccine because they were essentially held their feet to the fire to get it. They didn't want it. Now they have side effects. Is there anything for those individuals? And all of that is going to be second and third steps as we work on this issue. And we do hope that whether it's our National Guard or our active duty, that we open the door for some of those individuals to come back once the mandate is lifted. And what we will have the opportunity to do is explore ways that those individuals are going to be made whole. We have heard, as I've worked on this issue, from people that had like 19 years, six months of service and did not re-up because of this issue. So 
those will be ongoing issues that we're going to have the opportunity to handle. And I look forward to doing those right now to know that we have ended this mandate. That is such a victory for our men and women in uniform. It is such a victory for conservatives here in D.C. And we need to get this NDAA finished into the president's desk. Well, we certainly appreciate all the work that you've done on it. I know you're going to continue to fight. I wonder, though, Senator, and I know that this is going to be a later step in the process, but speaking of these vaccine side effects, I mean, there has been a lot of taboo talking about the vaccine in general, but especially the side effects, those individuals, and I've talked to a number of them that have experienced those side effects that could actually impact military preparedness and readiness and the health of our military members. They're very concerned because of these side effects, but they feel like they have nowhere to turn because they are often brushed off as if everything that they're experiencing simply isn't happening. What is going to be the conversation surrounding that? And what do you plan to do to make sure that those concerns are heard? Right. And I do know that our Energy and Commerce Committee in the House, which is where health care is uh, placed in the House, they are going to have some good hearings looking at this and looking at the research work around the side effects from this vaccine, looking at why that happened. Um, Dr. Burgess is who has led that work in the House, and I think you'll see more coming from him. People want information. They want to know where this vaccine, uh, where COVID came from. They want to know if it was from a lab. They want to know more detail about the work on the vaccine. They want to have a better understanding of why Pfizer held the announcement on the vaccine until after the 2020 elections. So there are lots of questions around that. They're also very interested in what has happened with children that got the vaccine with some of their respiratory issues. You mentioned earlier the myocarditis that seems to have affected young men between 16 and 30 years of age. So we will learn more about that. There is a lot of ground to cover and it, we're going to be helped in this process because we have that opportunity to have the House in Republican control. Well, we know that you're going to get it done. I know that you're always going to keep pushing on it because you fight for our military and you fight for Tennesseans. Yes. Before I let you go, Senator, I do have to ask you about the breaking news that I woke up to this morning that uh, WNBA star Brittany Griner will be released from her Russian prison in a prisoner swap for the Russian arms dealer nicknamed the Merchant of Death. We don't have all the information yet. We do know that former U.S. Marine Paul Whelan was left over there, but I got to get your top line thoughts when you heard the news. When you look at someone who has been tagged the merchant of death, they are a convicted arms dealer. And you, and of course, everyone is pleased for Brittany Griner that she is getting out of prison. But our heart breaks for Paul Whelan and his family, knowing that he is left there. And we would like to have seen him come home. Yeah, you'd think maybe they could have done a two-for-one deal. I think if Donald right. Trump was still our commander-in-chief, he could have got that done, but uh, perhaps not. We'll have to wait and see. I've been calling this Biden's Bo Bergdahl moment. 
Let's hope that it's not that. And let's hope that maybe Brittany Griner learns to love and appreciate this country when she returns home. That's the optimism I'm going to hold. Senator, thank you as always yes. for spending so much time right. and for always fighting the good fight. God bless you. And we look forward to talking to you soon. Absolutely. Take care. Bye-bye now. All right. Coming up, Brittany Griner has been set free in exchange for a Russian arms dealer. And yeah, you know I have some final thoughts. That's next. Well, the word is out. The United States compromised our national security by releasing a Russian arms dealer nicknamed the Merchant of Death, all to get back an alleged weed cartridge touting WNBA player who hates or at least hated America. What a win. It's time for final thoughts. The deal is done. WNBA player Brittany Griner has been released from her Russian prison in exchange for a Russian arms dealer, Victor Bout, a.k.a. the Merchant of Death. Now, if you're wondering how he got that cute little nickname, it was his lengthy history of selling weapons to people in countries who intended to kill Americans. What could possibly go wrong? Let me be clear. As an American, I want to see all Americans return home safely and securely. That's why I also find it odd that former U.S. Marine Paul Whelan, another prisoner stranded in Russia, was passed over. I guess it pays to be a whiny celebrity who plays sports that no one watches. But regardless of how I feel, the deal is done. Now, my only hope is that Brittany Griner will return to the United States of America, the greatest nation on the face of the earth, with a heart full of gratitude, legs ready to stand for the anthem, and lungs ready to belt out that star-spangled banner and from the rooftops. I hope she's learned that the nation she once found so reprehensible and oppressive is not only her saving grace, but a damn good place to call home. Because she, like the rest of us, is privileged to be an American. And if she does indeed have this change of heart, which I am very hopeful and optimistic she does, I also hope she will share her newfound love of country with fellow America haters such as Colin Kaepernick, LeBron James, Megan Rapinoe, and the majority of the Democrat Party. So welcome home, Brittany Griner. God bless America. Am I right? Those are my final thoughts. Be sure to catch me tomorrow on Outnumbered at noon Eastern on Fox News, as well as the big Saturday and Sunday shows, 5 p.m. Eastern, also on Fox News. From Nashville, God bless and take care.